And speaking of rule changes, <laughs> we've, got, <laughs> we've, we've got the man from BASS. He covers all the Bass Opens, the Elites. He's on Bassmaster Live. Uh, a lot of you are going to recognize him, and we're real happy to have him here. we got Ronnie Moore Skyping in. How you doing, Ronnie? Oh, come oh, on, guys. We've got, bad, guys. Uh, we, we've got bad audio with you, Ronnie. I don't know if you can hear us, so we're going to uh, – I guess we, we'll, maybe we can uh, – I don't know if we've got some moves you're going to make back there to try to get, get his back audio. Get Jeffries. Jeffries has got to go back in the back studio. We're going to try to get your audio fixed out, Ronnie. So hang in there with us for just a little bit. You can, right. Like I said, you can write messages and do hand Flip sign language. Right. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, but Mark's going to get back in studio. Yeah, you know you know what? Do you, Brian, do you want to take a break right now? BTC? Pete, that's, that's a – you know what? I can't. Oh, you can't? No, it's the uh, same computer site. So okay. All right. Thank go you. Go crazy, man. Pete. Um. No, it's just uh, I thought it might be taking a break might help you get Ronnie up uh, and running a little bit. Faster. Fortunately, we can't do that. Yeah, understood. But um, but I love the uh, the Bassmaster Live show. I mean, uh, you you have have you dialed into that? I have, have you got bit by it a little bit? Uh, I yeah. I mean, I'm not. So I mean, I'm not as huge a fan of tournament angling as a lot of people that watch this show. Right. You know. So yeah, I do watch it though. I mean, if there's people who I like that or i know are going to be on there i watch it or people who i'm you know i find interesting mm-hmm. but I, as as to just blanketly watch it i do not man i tell yeah. you it's for me it's fascinating and that's you know i'm i'm i come through a period where i kind of when i stepped off tour i kind of was couldn't stand fishing i couldn't watch anything to do with it and the live show has just brought me back cool thing to me about the whole bracket concept is I was watching it during my three-hour class at Rowan, and I'm sitting next to people that not only could care less about fishing, don't even know that it's a professional sport, not only were my eyes glued to it, but their eyes were just as glued to it. After I got them into it, started explaining what it was about, explaining how Mike is fighting for this spot, they were watching it the whole time with me. And that's what I find interesting. That's why I think they really need to expand that, do more with it. Absolutely. I mean, the whole bracket, the whole whole way it has been explained to me, the way it played out, sounds sounds like it would be something I'll be more inclined to watch. Yeah, well. Shorter tournaments, two-hour windows to go against someone in your bracket based off your seed. mm -hmm. That sounds cool, man. I don't know. I could see something like that really uh, propelling some interest. Well, it's 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 pretty awesome. I mean, and they do such a good job covering it. Yes, yeah, uh, you know the thing that um, you know that I really like is is one of the parts of the show that uh, almost doesn't get talked about that much is what's going on while these guys aren't catching them. You know, and <laughs> you know, right? Because the fish catching, right? That's the easy one. That's yeah. that's the the softballs that you can hit at. That's exciting. Everybody likes that. But watching them sweat. You know, and run around from spot to spot when they're not on them. Watch them go panic mode. What what do they do in panic mode? Or watching them persevere through their spot when it goes through a dry spell. That's what yeah. I took from it most when I've watched it is mm-hmm. when when things are going bad and you're not catching the way you think you're supposed to be there. The adjustments that are made in your spot, you know, that's it, it's it's crazy. That's good. pretty cool. It's crazy good. And from a from a fisherman, whether you're a tournament guy or you're just a a weekend angler you can learn so much about that because when your spot dries up when your pattern goes south and going through the cycle to try to figure out how to get back on them again and get it going again i mean that's the juice man that's why you know what you can't it it almost helps where before you had to be like in my opinion being a co-angler was 
extremely important because you learned a lot of times what not to do, right? Mm-hmm. You watch the guy, you're like, man, I think you should stay here a little bit longer, thinking yourself, and the guy leaves. Yep. Like, you pick up that experience as a co-angler. Now you can pick it up without even being a co-angler, just watching bass lots. Just man. watching it. Yeah. The camera's it's in the boat. It's pretty cool, dude. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. And what was especially amazing is all the love that BTC got on the live show. Oh, he does? He does, oh, that's man. Why he's all, oh, that's, he why, does. that's why he's watching all day long, Narcissist. Wants to hear his goddamn name. See if his name got popped. <laughs> yeah. He makes, sure, he makes sure he shows up in the Instagram comments on their page. After every after every post, he's right there saying something. Oh, is that true, Stockler? Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> but I but it, it was it's cool to hear him say that. I know Ronnie gave gave him gave him some love, gave me some love too about my Lake Martin win. But uh, we heard missile jigs get talked about a lot, and uh, that was cool. Johnny Cruz's company and and Ike's jig, Ish was using Ike's jig. Uh, to fish against them. Wow. You know, that was kind of kind of a cool deal. Yes, turned me on to a really neat jig. He won an event on Okeechobee flipping a jig of all things. Yeah. And it was one of yep. those double weed guard, like ounce and a quarter jigs. Ah, no kidding. a giant jig, man, for flipping weeds with. It was pretty cool. I can't get into fishing that. Just being in Jersey, you know, you, you think you're throwing a half ounce weight, you're getting down there and see these guys throwing an ounce and a half. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, that it's changed everything. We've talked about it on the show. When me and Mike first made our first trips to florida it was soft plastics big 10 inch worms you know it, that's what you used use rattle traps and, and stuff don't use a jig i mean they flat out said jigs don't catch fish in florida yeah. for whatever reason uh we get the thumbs up from jeffries i think we got our skype back working again but don't throw jigs in florida but, stay there Eric. but uh but as it turns out now every single tournament is getting one with, with a big jig down that's in florida it's like God, if we would just not listen to him back then. Let's say. But uh, oh, but um, we got the thumbs up, and I just oh, there he is back again. And um, let's try again. We got Ronnie Moore from BASS. How you doing tonight, Ronnie? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? We can hear you, man. We're good. We're good. We got we got some crack staff over there. Not like you guys over at Bassmaster.com, but we're... <laughs> that never seemed to have one single glitch. <laughs> That must be the first time I've gotten an applause when you guys said you heard me. I don't know many people that cheer when they hear me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're doing a great job over there, buddy. I've got to tell you. I mean, you do great coverage of the of the Bass Opens, except for the last two Opens you covered me on. I failed to win, so I think you might be bringing the whammy down on me. But uh, the um, you're doing great coverage over there, and I love your input, your feedback on uh, on the Bass Live Show. Man, I think Bassmaster Live is is revolutionary. I think it's changing everything about fishing. Well, I appreciate it. I it's, it's really an honor to be a part of it. Like I like you said, I've been on the water for the last three or four years, uh, covering the events in person. So I was always tuned into live when I was taking photos out on the water just to see what I was missing or what was going on, just to tune me in so I could ask better questions to the anglers and whatnot. So. It's cool to be a part of be a part of the process now, and to get you know brought into into uh, the studio uh, full time to to do that, and then as well as covering the other events. I still love getting out of the water because that only makes me know more and learn more about fishing and being with you guys. You are a warrior. You you cover all the opens, all the elites. Do you, do you cover every single tournament? No, not some of them conflict and stuff like that. And luckily, like. 
I'm, I'm not covering Smith this week for the Open and Grand, so all your praise of me covering all the events is is for nothing <laughs> now because I'm not covering the next two events. But it is good to get some time off um, from all the all the events and stuff like that. But I do I do cover all the college events and then the Opens as well. And uh, I did when we had Dardanelle for the Elite. It's an hour, it's about an hour and ten minutes away from studio. So every day when live was done, I was getting in the truck going to weigh in just to talk to the guys to to just be, you know, to learn one more thing that I can use in my job, that I can use when I'm interviewing people, that I can use when I'm fishing myself. Uh, and I think if I know more about fishing every day, then I can help bring better content to the website via video, um, different things. You know, some guys that we cover on the water, if I can see, you know, that they caught a crucial fish at 1230, I can go back when we get all the footage in and I can find it and, and pull nuggets out that'll teach uh, more and more people how to learn. So that's what it's all about, you know, learning more and, and connecting viewers with that content. That's Well, that's that's terrific, and you're doing a great job. And is it true that the the, the tournament organization at Bass uh, views the Ike Live shows for all their future rule changes? <laughs> We actually have Brian and the Carpenter on speed dial. That's why we got him on there just to consult, you know, if, we, if we're sure, sure about stuff. What, where we should go next in the future, you know, the vision. Well, we're, you know, we're doing what we can for you guys, so uh, you're welcome. Hey, hey, Ryan, it's Dave. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, Dave? Hey, I have a question. Like, what, what led you to where you're at now? How did you, what did you do before you worked for Bass? Man, well... I was a sophomore in college before I worked for Bass, but that's not that's it's kind of weird to say that. I don't want to sound like I'm tooting my own horn or anything like that. But to to go back through it all, I went I went to East Carolina University um, in Greenville, North Carolina, and I did so to study journalism. So when I got to school, probably the first or second day I was there, I got a job working for the newspaper, and then I got a job shooting video for athletics you know basketball football softball whatever they wanted we would shoot practice or games so i was really connected with multimedia and different types of it i wanted to be as well-rounded as possible and my whole path was i love numbers i thought one day i was gonna be a statistician for the nba or something that's like my favorite thing i played high school basketball so i just never thought i'd be able to have a career in bass fishing on this side of the boat and so my sophomore year, you know, as soon as I got to college, I started doing college fishing. I, ECU had a team. That was really one reason why I joined, or that's why I chose East Carolina. Um, for one, I didn't hate their school because I hate a lot of the schools in North Carolina based on sports. I'm not a big Tar Heels fan or, or anything like that, so I was never going there. So I went to East Carolina for college fishing and uh, really helped – raised the program, really just, just tried to fish as many tournaments as possible. And I guess never being down, never never being bummed on on uh, on stage, you know, you get that 30 seconds of time. Pete, you know it. You get 30 seconds of time on stage. What you do with it um, is your choice. Some people mumble. Some people talk about lost fish, sad stories. I was always positive. Uh, it was another day to learn. It was another day to try to adjust and figure out what I did wrong. And so I was always upbeat about it. And I, I think I was welcome to the media, you know, if if just like now anglers, there's Polinick, there's other anglers like that that are always welcoming to photographers around. I was always cool with whatever extra stuff we wanted to do. So I guess I made the right connections and it wasn't a terrible person. And uh, I got a call one day from Shea Baker asking if, if I wanted to work and do Bass Track. 
I was like, I'm not going to let anybody else put their foot in the door. I'm going to put my foot in that hole and, and keep it open as long as I can. So my junior and senior year of college, I split college and did like 20 weeks on the road covering Bassmaster events just so when I was done, I knew there was a position for me later. So I'm really thankful for everybody that I was able to meet that got me to this position. Um, but, you know, once I got the opportunity, I had to take it from there and, and do uh, everything I could to to grow and, and make it a profession. Now, did, did uh, being cousins with Charlie Moore, did that help you get the job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I've had one or two people. It's funny. You're, I'm not surprised you asked me that, to be honest, but there's been only like one or two people who have asked me that. So, no, I'm not cousins with Charlie Moore. I do have cousins up in the uh, in the Baltimore area, so up in the up in the Northeast, uh, closer to the Chesapeake and the Potomac. So, <laughs> so what what's this with uh, what happened with you and the restraining order? The head coach of the football team got on you. What happened? Wait, is that Lincoln Riley? Uh, Brian the Carpenter. I knew if I said the phone that, would bring about, it would be brought up. Hey, come that on, man. Pretty- hey, I'm an OU grad. My son is an OU grad. My wife is an Oklahoma grad. What the hell's going on? No, it, I mean, it was, it was probably for the best. It was probably for the best, uh, but I made one of those college kid probably mistakes, I guess you could say. Um where you speak up. A lot of people do it nowadays and think there's no repercussions. So I've totally learned my lesson, but <laughs> no, I was, uh, I was balancing doing video for athletics and then covering the event for uh, a journalism outlet, like a newspaper. So wearing two different hats sometimes was hard. But I, I just was, I, I didn't call out anybody, but I said, you know, we lost like two or three games in a row based on terrible time management at the end of the game, and we lost on Hail Marys because we didn't run the clock out. We, we just messed up that. And I just I made a simple 140-character tweet that said, uh, you know, so-and-so is going to, you know, have a lot of questions to answer Monday's media press conference, and, you know, that person saw it, got offended by the G-rated tweet, and – Got me fired from the program. Wow. Uh, working video, which was the best thing ever because it was after my first season with Bassmaster. So I was able to focus more on that. But but it was interesting just how in certain things, if you say something incorrect or that's not uh, liked, you can get blackballed pretty quick. Yeah, so it's, were- it was just weird for how much time I had given to the program, shooting weightlifting highlights, helping create different things that – in a second's notice, it wasn't even, hey, let's talk about that G-rated tweet you said, but rather it was just get rid of this kid. And yeah, then That's the thing. You were a kid. Like a grown man knows that uh, an 18, 19-year-old is going to say dumb things. Like they could have – for me, if my son, that guy's sitting in my living room and yeah. I know that story, yeah. what kind of a coach – what kind of a vindictive prick are you going to be to my kid <laughs> if, he has, if he has the audacity to write a, a sentence about t- – clock management. I don't think he's blocked <laughs> anybody on, once man. he's gotten to Oklahoma, though. Yeah, I don't yeah. know about Dave. that. <laughs> I don't know about it. Come Seriously. On. I, don't, I don't even uh, know where Oklahoma is. Dude, there's, there's, <laughs> there's 10,000 people that slam coaches and everybody on social media now. I feel sorry for I do, Ronnie. too. That's wrong, man, Ronnie. That's well, all right. Well, I will say 
you know, I had a choice there. I sports editor of the paper. I could have blown it up and, and wrote a opinion, you know, how I was fired. It's wrong. And, and, and took it that way. But I decided not to, because I sat there, I was angry for a day or two and was like, you know, I had wasted a lot of 6 a.m. mornings going to shoot some yeah. sweaty players and doing stuff. But I think that those early morning discipline, doing that different stuff, you know, eventually gave me the learning lessons that I'm implementing every day now. And I think that I think that it was a good thing. But it was also I did somewhat stand my ground when I heard rumblings from football players who liked me said, you know, yeah, I heard him say if he wants to. If he wants to talk to me about it, if he wants to say something, he can call me. Well, I ended up finding a way to get his number, and I called him and left him three or four voicemails and said, if you want to call, you can call. And finally, three or four days later, he called, and then it was more like a dad telling his son what he did wrong and not – and I was like, this is the best situation to get away from because I'm not going to be a part of, a part of that tight-knit family. Yeah. You can stay in a locker room, but it was it was one of those things where it was – the most G-rated thing, but what I'm did glad. you say? I'm, what did you say? Can you tell us what you said? I mean, very well, basic. What you What did you say on your tweet? Oh, I said, um, I said, offensive coordinator is going to have a lot of questions to answer on Monday. That's it. <laughs> yeah. You're kidding me. You got whacked for that. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> but so, and so it was funny this summer when when he got a promotion. I said, well, hey, look. I'm now blocked by the youngest head coach in college football, so that's I guess that's something. That's pretty cool. So no, but no, it, 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 I've literally I'm 24 now, just turned 24 in July, and this happened when I was probably 19 or 20 years old, and it was one of those things where, hey, uh, the everyone there that probably had a hand in me losing my job, probably didn't have the best job security themselves. So I understand it. They got to feed their family. They're not going to let it something no. slide. Not, but not that, not. He lives He lives right around the corner from me. Really? <laughs> well, don't I mean, say that. It, I'm not BTL must be making some bank, <laughs> man. I think it's the funniest <laughs> thing in the world that like something like that in this day and age where where we have a lot of people every game. I said, you know, if you get a big-time opportunity, he's going to hear it from a couple people Uh on that stage nowadays. Uh, you should hear sports talk. I mean, they're I can't very critical I can't. about just the littlest thing. Anyway, so, man, I feel for you on that, Ronnie. All right, I want to know I want to know this. Hold what? on one second, Mark. What's that? I just want to show the folks at home the chair you just broke when you were back here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, chair was, that chair was cheesy Thanks, and already Dave. breaking, Mark. Don't Jeez, you put in here some oh, – where'd they get that at, Dave? Yeah. Uh, the, the toilet store. Jeez. The toilet store. All right, uh, Pete, you're, you're ready to talk uh, opens here? Yeah, well, I'm, after that, I'm a little worried about Ronnie's job. <laughs> now, you don't know, say anything that's going to get you fired, man. But I, we want to know. We want to know stuff. Don't be tweeting about Jerry McInnes tomorrow. <laughs> or, or Bowman, either one. My office is right beside of them, literally next door. So I, I would, they would probably see me before they saw the tweet. All right, can you can you explain? Are we gonna go down this path? Please? I, I think we should. There's well, there's a lot of controversy about the new open format. D- uh, discussion, not really controversy, mm-hmm. just you know why. A lot and, of opinions. Yeah, a lot of opinions. Yeah. About why Bass changed the format. What was the intention? And I guess that's what we want to hear from you. Um, what what was Bass's intention 
on the new format uh, because it, it it is causing a lot of lot of varying opinions, a lot of negative opinions. Yes. Well, first off, want to not say this to cover my butter, and I don't want you guys to think I'm doing it at all, but. Uh, I'm on the media side of it, obviously, doing Bassmaster Live covering defense, so I'm not in the decision-making of different things like that. So, But as soon as I take a stance on something, they'll think, oh, you're doing that because that's your job, you're backing your employer. So they discount every factual thing I put out there. But I would say from a media perspective and from an angler perspective, the way the sport's going, I think, I think it was needed. To be honest, and, and I know I've already deleted posts off my own Facebook from people just railing me <laughs> for, just, for, just, <laughs> for just sharing content. But um, I think that it was for the betterment of the sport. I think that we needed that AAA uh, farm system for the pros like we have for baseball, things like that. And, and I know people say if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I think that it does shore up, and it takes care of people like you, Pete, and Mike Iconelli. It takes care of some of those people more where it's going to benefit you guys probably more than it would someone who's jumping in to fish a tournament here or a tournament there. But it doesn't eliminate those people. If you still want to jackpot a tournament, you can. But if you want to go to the Classic after jackpotting the first tournament of the year, you're going to need to sign up for two or three more extra, or three more extra events um, instead of just signing up for two. But I think it's I think it's going to keep it really competitive as well. It's it's still going to be just as competitive. There's still going to probably be just as many entries, even though literally the world imploded when that happened and no one's fishing the opens next year. So I'm going to be able to find all five people that are supposedly fishing the opens. <laughs> I still know there'll be a full field because. This will allow people uh, who maybe couldn't get in. We've had wait lists and the Southern Opens. There's been wait. There was a 200 boat field at Oneida. There's going to be people who maybe had the intention to try to go pro that they didn't have priority entry because they hadn't fished the Opens ever. They came out of college. They didn't have a link. Now they'll be able to probably get in, or you know, because we'll have 200 boats, or. Uh, they'll be able to get a link. They'll be able to find a way to do it more now, I think, than uh, we would have had to up the field to maybe 250 boats in the first event if we kept the pace we were going with wow. just three events. Wow. Well, that's interesting, and that's an opinion that you shared. Oh, we, yeah. You know? We've talked about that. Uh, yeah. See, you made the AAA reference there. Right. And uh, Not A-ball. Not I got you. <laughs> I, think, well, I think the thing I is people will say, baseball. well, the rookie class is just fine. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with the rookie class. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think we have great rookies every year. But I think now you'll have just for effort, for, for instance, you know, the, for people who don't know, the changes that were made, we had three divisions of opens, the southerns, the northerns, and the centrals, and each division had three events in them. So nine total events some guys fished all three divisions, so they were fishing all nine events. And the way it was before, well, so the change there, instead of three open divisions with three each, they now merged it, and it's two opens divisions with four tournaments each, and then there's a fifth championship at the end. So that's the difference for those who don't know. It went from three divisions, three events, to now two divisions with four events in each, and an optional fifth if you make it that far. And I think now, and one of the other changes they eliminated was the win and in if you win an open you're in the classic if you fish the other two events i think that's fantastic 
Uh, I think either way you go with that, winning in or doing the new format, I think they're both just perfectly fine the way they are. I think that the new format is awesome for someone like a Hunter Shryock, for someone like a Wesley Strader, even though he won an Open last year. Like the guys who, for instance here, we have Smith Lake coming up this week, last Southern Open. Hunter Shryock's got a third-place finish at Harris Chain and a third-place finish at Lake Chickamauga. Obviously has a big lead over the last elite cut spot. You know, hopefully he makes he does what he needs to do, and he can make the elites because I know that's his his goal. But if he let's just say Devils Advocate, he gets a third place finish at Smith. He will have won the Southern Open points and has three top three finishes, but he will not be a representative in the Classic. But if you took a poll straw straw vote for the whole country, overwhelmingly everyone would agree. He deserves to be at that highest level in the Classic because he proved out of every single angler for that division, maybe even for the whole Opens, because no one else would have duplicated three top threes or three top 12s. They would have said, man, this guy has obviously shown out this year. This I can't believe he's not in the Classic. Or another thing, if everyone's following the Opens and they're seeing Hunter Schrock doing well, doing well, doing well, and then he's not in the Classic, they're like, I wonder how he didn't get in the Classic you know, if they're not up with all the rules. So I think this will be great for a guy like a Hunter Shryock who has a lot of top 12 finishes proven on different bodies of water he can do it, and now he'll be able to go to the Open Championship, and if he's got enough points, he'll be able to make a Classic and the Elites and check both things off his list just based on being highly consistent at the top of the standings. And I think that benefits those anglers who who are really well-rounded because – you could be the most well-rounded angler in the field, but if it's a flipping derby at the Harris Chain or a sight fishing derby, you might not rise to the top top spot. Or if it's a smallmouth derby at Champlain, you might not rise to the top top spot. So, so how, it's going to reward those people. So how many people from the championship are going to the classic now? So they'll take the top ten in points. This just to explain it for folks at home. Out of the each division, they'll be to top ten in points. In both divisions, that's 20 people. And then you'll take the four winners of the Opens for each division, if they're not already in the top 10. Obviously, let's just say all four winners are in the top 10. It'll be the first 10 guys in points that didn't win an Open. So 14 from the East, 14 from the Central will go to the Open Championship, and there'll be 28 guys. They'll still maintain points and whatnot, and that they'll fish that Open Championship. The top three... From the East Division after that Open Championship and the top three from the Central, those six guys that rose, you know, consistently might have had a big lead or they might have made up ground in that final event at the Open Championship, they'll make it to the Classic and the winner of the Open Championship. So we have the top three in points from the East, top three in points from the Central, and the winner of the event, if he's in the top three in one of those divisions, obviously it'll go down to the first three, not including him. So seven people will go to the Classic from the Open Championship. And then the top 11, so two guys from each division, the East and the Centrals, won't uh, go to the Classic, but they'll get their elite bid. So there'll be 11 elite uh, offers, invites, and seven Classic bids divvied up there based on points. And uh, if you win the Open Championship, you get entry into the Elite's and uh, a classic, if you so choose. Did he say the top ten get the elite bid, the top ten in the championship? No, 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 no. It's top five in each division points-wise. Okay, okay. So ten total 
and then the winner will be the 11th. Okay. Obviously, yeah. So, so, but obviously a point of contention uh, from the opens, uh, the open anglers lose two classic spots. So we went from theoretically. Nine, yeah, we went from nine down to seven. Uh, where are those spots going? Are they going back to the elite guys? I'm not quite sure about that, but I will say that I would bet most years you don't get seven genuine opens anglers in the classic. You may get seven this year if Smith or Grand Lake is won by a guy who didn't fish the other opens or by a double qualified elite angler. Technically, since Ott Defoe won Douglas, you're going to still only have seven of the nine now anyways, which it's worked out that way most years. Ike Nelly's won one to punch his ticket. Those different guys have had to win one to get in the Classic. They've taken away an open spot anyways, as long as they've participated in the other ones. That, that being said, I'm not, that's not an excuse at all, but that is something I thought about was like you're taking two Classic spots away. But most years, nine genuine Opens anglers don't make it via the Opens win. Well, I, I got to tell you, when this came out, I was just disgusted. You know, I love. You were mad. I was mad. I was <laughs> I, I was so happy with the format, the way it was. Um, three tournaments in a northeast region. You know, it was travel was manageable. Time away from my business was manageable. Time away from my family was. You manageable. had a nice little playground there. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, and uh, I got to compete for the classic. I got to compete against the elite anglers, and you know all the 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 cherry pickers and yeah. it, it was highly competitive fishing. I got the fish to win out of the gate. I really, really enjoyed the format. So I was, I was mad when it got changed and, and I thought, I thought to myself, no, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm out. I talked to my roommates, uh, the week at Tennessee, two of which were just fresh out of college. Marshall fan. They're out <laughs> and, uh, they're, they're not fishing it. Um, I talk with some elite anglers. It's too much commitment for that. They're out, and I'm like, man, I, I just didn't. I did not see any benefit. Um, but here, here it is. I'm starting. I, I'm, I, I, I'm starting to change. I'm starting to look at it differently after talking with you, Mark. Yeah. Um, after talking with uh, Gene Eisman at um, at TH Marine, had some really interesting perspectives on it. Um, and I'm starting to think about it differently in the scheme of is this going to benefit the sport? You know, is this going to benefit the elites by producing um, an angler that has a chance to be competitive out on the elite field uh, versus a guy maybe from the northeast that's never fished Florida or a guy from the south that's never fished smallmouth? Uh, and it's it's a recipe for disaster throwing those guys into the fire with a hundred thousand dollar bill um, that don't have the best chance. So I started thinking about it from that from the, as the sport as a whole, and I, I I now see some of the positive sides of it, mm-hmm. and I see it as a benefit overall to the sport in that capacity. I do see the hardships on the guys now, the working man that is out, the <laughs> college kid that's out, he's out. You know, there's Maybe, no, you're not getting him. Not the know? college graduate. I mean, the no. kid that's... Well, here's the thing that I started thinking about. When I graduated from college, I was out. I, back then, I wasn't doing this nonsense. You kidding me? I couldn't take it on. I fished. I fished the Federation. 
I fished the Federation for six years. Yeah. I trained myself. I won tournaments at that level. I made championships at that level until I got enough confidence to take on what was back then called the Invitationals. And and that's when I, I made that leap. So I actually think that this event is going to be a benefit to the to the federation groups to the bfls to to that group because i think these anglers that are now out of the opens are now going to they still love the sport right they're all frustrated like me because they're out but i think we might see a big benefit to the federation i think that could be good ronnie said something that i agree with it's going to benefit your goal is to get to the classic, Pete, when you fish these. Right. It's going to benefit guys like you that are already war-torn and been through this country. This whole format fits guys like you. It does not fit the weekend guy who's just going in, fishing three tournaments, hoping on the body water he's most familiar with that he get, and he wins and goes to the classic. I agree. And I think this first year is going to be great because I think a lot of guys are still pissed off and aren't going to sign up. <laughs> nah, they're going and to I'll, sign up. Once they realize. I might, might be having an easier no. shot to get up there in the top. Everyone three. always says what they're not going to do when a new rule gets changed and they yeah. go and do it. Same yeah. kind of yeah. people are going to be there. Well, it, does. It, it takes a while to, to sink in and, and see what the benefit is. You hey, know? Ronnie, this is Mark. Hey, I want to get your opinion. One of the things that I've been uh, really clued into is the success of the rookies. Now, when you go to classify a rookie, I, I know they made the change because when you go back and you look at who won Rookie of the Year on the Elite Series, Pete, mm-hmm. they're not rookies. And right. they changed that rule right, to where now it's, you know, I think it's a half a million dollars is what the threshold is. All right, if you won over a half a million dollars, you're, you're not, not a rookie. You're not a rookie. Uh, you're not a rookie. Uh, okay. Anyway, one of the biggest challenges for rookies on the Elite Series is obviously sponsorship. If they're truly wanting to turn this into a AAA and get it to the point where the rookies get the experience, one of the biggest challenges as a rookie is the financial obligation that comes once you have earned a spot on the Elite Series. Well, this takes place in the month of October. All right? Now, let's talk about this. Most of the time, the budgets are done for most of the people, and when you look at recent rookies... Most of the deals that they have done are buddy deals, guys that they know, very obscure sponsorships. Now, I know there's the exception out there, but for the most part, these guys don't get the opportunity to position themselves on, uh, well, I might make it. You know, a guy's not going to write a check, and you're not going to get sponsorships most of the time when it's, uh, well, I think I might make it. Mm -hmm. So why not? Why not come up with a, a concept of rolling it over to where think how cool it would be if you were an Elite Series rookie and you show up to ICAST? Hey, guess what? In 2019, I'm fishing the Elite Series. This is what I can do for you. Now that entire financial obligation has somewhat been lifted to where the dude can focus on fishing Rather than, oh, my gosh, I need $30,000 in a matter of four weeks or less for my deposits, and I have no idea where this money's going to come from. What are, well, you, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I tell you, before you answer that, Ronnie, <laughs> Bass, I, I heard this. Bass has agreed to pay all the entry fees for next year's rookies. That's uh, what I heard. Is that true? <laughs> I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Ronnie? I get my I get my bills and uh, all my expenses paid for first before the rookies do. Just but if, if that's the way. no, but for real, first thing, Mark, I like that question. Now, but I wanted to answer or say something first. 
that was one of the big trigger words of the whole Facebook debacle of when that open thing came out was the working man. And so I'm not in any way hating on that at all, but I do think that when did the working man classified working man start paying $1,500 for entry fees? Yeah, I've always seen the working man as the guy with a white t-shirt, the grease stains on it, rolls up to the BFL and hammers 20 pounds on the scales and goes home and then works all week next week to fish the next event at home. I never considered working man the guys paying fifteen hundred dollars to fish each event at all. I, I think that if you pay forty five hundred dollars to fish three opens, to then qualify to pay fifty thousand dollars of entries for the elites, that your mindset is still the same. Mm-hmm. If you're you're adding one more entry to six thousand to do the same goal, mm-hmm. you're now going to be more prepared getting sponsorships just to make up that fifteen hundred. For when you do qualify, now you have to get 50000 I think that if the ones, the people who were complaining on Facebook and all the social medias and saying that they couldn't do it based off the entries and uh, one more week of travel per year, my thought, I'm, I'm sympathetic to it because I completely get it. I want to fish a division of stuff, but I can't, and I would try to put down the money as well. But I think that, I think that if that's your goal, you need to be two feet in. You need to already think – I need to start trying to get sponsors before I qualify so when that day is happens, I'm prepared. And I think that it's hard for people to have that in their vision, but if you don't accept failure, that you know, you'll stumble along the way and fail. But if you don't settle for failure, you'll eventually break through and everything not it won't be smooth at all. But I think that and there are other ways, like you said, there are nation and and team championship, there's so many different ways. We saw pollen, it came from the nation. But that's my that's my one thing on that is that I've never met a, the working man, quote unquote. And I know guys, if you work for a living, you're a working man to me, whether you wear a suit or not. Don't so apologize. Not, Say what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. No, okay, so, so that's you know, the working man. I, but what about the rookie? I, but the rookie thing, I, it would be very logistically just knowing – uh, how many tournaments we do host a year? I think it's 41. I think last year I worked 35 of the 41. Some of them are on top of each other, and we only have limited trailers. We have limited staff. You know, one of those things that it would just be you would need to balloon everything if we wanted to maybe expedite everything to get it done before ICAST. Or if they did qualify in the fall, but they didn't fish the next year, and they were able to – is that what you were saying? Yeah, roll it, you, you roll, it roll it over. Roll it over. The 2017 class that's about to qualify wouldn't fish until 2019. Is that what you were meaning? Correct. And they would. Okay. I just don't know about those people that, you know, how do you – sponsorship's hard enough as it is, so I don't know if meeting people at ICAST would really take you from maybe $15,000 of buddy money to $75,000 or $50,000 and you're you're in the clear. I think it's still the same – Lower level names trying to garner high dollar money without tangible proof they can do it on that elite level. I think you're still an opens guy seven or eight months later at ICAST that you were in October. You may be a little bit more prepared, but I do think that goes back to my whole thing that after an event you do well, you're like, hey, maybe I need to get one deal working maybe for my boat next year. And then you do well in two events. It's not like you luck up and then you qualify and you're like, I don't know what to do. It's like you've You've had a month or two after your first event. You do well in the second. You've got a month or two after that one. And going to the third one, you know what's at stake. So I think that some of those guys, you'll see, and you see some of the opens pros that qualify that are well prepared. 
they've they've kind of taken their journey that way. They've kind of tried to get prepared before it actually happened. Just like I would say, just, it's not the same thing because I don't pay money to go to work, but it's the same thing I did. I was prepared to when I got offered make a decision if I needed to quit school or or do whatever to do my to do my dream job. I think it's this, it goes hand in hand as an analogy. I, Even I, situations are always different. I'll say this much, Pete. You've been in this gig for a long time, right? I've been around it for a long time. It is very, very difficult right now for anybody, all right, even some of the top-tiered guys, to walk into a company with a four-week deadline and say, hey, man, take here's a, take here, a chance on me. Here's on how much I'm going to need. I don't know if I'm going to make it, yeah. all right, and you can go ahead and throw me a couple bones while I'm fishing the opens maybe. But four weeks compared to four months is massive, and these guys trying to generate sponsorship. Well, it, it's it's I've been there. I yeah. qual- I've, the Northern Division always ends this time of year, and I've qualified for the elites. And I I, I mean I'm I'm I was a veteran of the sport and couldn't amass the funding that was yeah. required for me to comfortably it's go tough. after the elites. It is tough. So, so you gotta you know, pick your Snapchat game. That's up, because Pete. your voicemail is full all the time. Well, <laughs> high demand, high demand. The, uh, but the you know, so the point is, it's very difficult to to acquire sponsorship. So it becomes a sponsorship hunt versus a fishing competition. I, I'd like you know, I'd like to see more done for the rookies. I'd like to see more exposure. I'd like to see more, uh, give them a format so that they can sell sponsorship better. Um, yeah, dude, try to figure out a way to help them. Uh, because they're, you know, obviously it, it's it's hard enough to battle the fishing competition, oh. much less try to get sponsors away from Mike and Ellie. I mean, yeah, it, it's it, it's a, <laughs> it's a freaking task. Mark, you know? Mark okay. are you suggesting that ICAST is kind of like a rookie symposium where they meet sponsors? Well, no, you just give them an opportunity because think about it. next year, whoever qualifies, it's going to be I think what is it, uh, Ronnie, the second or third week in October next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's at the end of October. I, I, it's the week or two after Grand's done, so I think you know you have 10 days after you technically qualify probably to make your decision. Yeah, all right. And, and it's the same way next year when they go to the championship. It's in October. What I'm suggesting is that the ability to bet on the come from companies that, that may or may not want to dip their toes in this thing, you have an opportunity now because during October, the end of October, November and December, nothing gets done for the most part. I mean, that's just the way business works. Yes, you have some companies out there that are on a different fiscal year where budgets are actually done. They're done sometimes in January, sometimes in February, and then they kick in at the end of June. What this does is this gives somebody absolutely no excuse to not prepare themselves financially for the journey that they're about ready to begin. Because most of the rookies that I've been around, the entire history of the Elite Series, with the exception of the guys that have come over from the FLW side, or the guys that have been just, you know, entrenched already, that had deals in the works, dude, they struggled. It was a challenge. And the biggest thing, you've seen it with some of the guys that have been in this studio, Pete. The financial struggles for so many of these guys to get the money that it takes to be out there, let's give them an opportunity to where now they have no excuse 
no excuse from a time perspective to go out and get the deals done. That's it. It's no reference to they're doing something wrong or Bass is doing something wrong. No, that's not it. What it is is now you are building a path from a financial perspective to give these rookies an opportunity. Ronnie, I want you to do something. All right, and and I know you are a student of the game. The other thing, Pete, he's paying his dues. He's one of the guys out here that is definitely paying he, he his hustles. dues. I got I got to right? give that to you, Ron. He you, is paying you hustle his as dues. much as and, much as anybody out there. And I'm really huge on that. All right, with with anything, if you're going to get entrenched in it, that means a lot to a lot of people. And I think a lot of guys respect the fact that you are paying your dues right now. Go back and look, and I'm not talking about the Jacob Wheelers or the guys over the half a million dollar mark. Go back and look the last five years at the rookies. Number one, see how many are still around. And number two, see who their sponsors were that very first year. It's going to be like Gene's Machine Shop. And just the most obscure sponsors that are out there that first year because they don't have the time to get the deal done. Well, the the reality of it is, as a rookie, you don't have the value. No. To a sponsor. No. No, he's right. But now, if you did have that time, Dave, you had that time to sell your brand and show people from a time perspective when they're out there really working on where their marketing budgets are going. And I'm not talking just about inside the the endemics i'm talking about outside dude there's not a non-endemic that in the snowball's chance in hell that's going to talk to you if you walk in there in october hey i'm a bassmaster elite series rookie want to give me 30 grand or 20 grand or whatever it's not going to happen unless you know somebody right and and a lot of business gets done based upon knowing people so well it's going to be ama- it's going to be interesting to see Ronnie. I appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. And uh, what else you got? What else has Bass got lined well, up for jump, us? Let me jump in. Any, here, any new changes coming? Yeah, what do you got? Right. I know you don't have a phone on your or clock, but I'm getting threatening messages from Peroznik, so we got to giddy up. Oh, okay. Well, let, let one me... last thing then before I let y'all go. I appreciate the time, but I will say. Bobby Lane was on Bassmaster Live at Ross Barnett. I saw that. Boom. He finished fourth. Okay. He finished fourth. <laughs> right? Was that right, Ronnie? Look at that, man. He just got right on you about that. He finished too. fourth, correct? <laughs> was I right on that? How you let me now? Yeah. <laughs> See, he's paying his dues, That's man. right. I, I'm Ronnie Moore, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but one last statement. I will say that I think that uh, we're getting tied up with a bunch of people – uh, getting angry about the discussion, but I think these these decisions are going to create a stronger, more well-prepared group of rookies financially, top to bottom. I think that they will, the ones who are doing it, will be more serious about making it a career. They're going to go two feet in rather than keeping one foot in the door at the house. Um, and I do think that if we get out of our mind that these trust fund kids are going to be the only ones who succeed nowadays, I think that that'll be for the best because. There are a lot of college kids that do graduate from the college series, know that this is what they want to do for the rest of their life, and they sell out on it, and they get loans. They do it, and it might not be great financial decisions, but you get breaks along the way. You're a Dustin kind of – you do get a win. You get these different things, and, and that's – you know I think the college-age kids nowadays may look like you know their parents help do everything, but – I think that they're more dedicated than we know, and I think that it shows every year.
by the ones who qualify. I, I My best friend, one of my groomsmen, qualified for the elites, and he'll be a rookie next year. And I see that in him. He's won national championships at the college level, and he's struggling with the communication between companies right now as well. But I think that this struggle and uh, time restraint, or time constraint, is going to give him more life lessons. And I don't think that it's going to be – I don't think Iconelli went into his first years as a pro – on the positive side of money. I think that that's a good thing to really we weed out the ones who want to do it for the rest of their lives, that they will we struggle with the bad times and get to the good times and then respect it and teach everybody how to do that. Yep. We, so. you, you were right about Ike. Me and Ike were going to quit because we couldn't get the sponsors after being in for even two or three years. We and then he wins get, the Classic. Then he wins the Classic and it changed. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's – not everybody can go win the Classic, win an Elite, win AOI, win, win whatever – but I do think that everyone has something inside of them that urges them to be the best they can be, and at some point they'll know that they're meant to do this as a career. So I think I think that this will definitely uh, give more people that that intuition to know that they can do this or, or whatever the case may be. But well, hey, I appreciate it Thanks, so much, Ronnie. Ronnie. And uh, we got a couple questions back here for you. Quick question I thought I thought we were board. thought we were getting hassled over there. We are, but we got we got one quick question no. on the IM board before we let you go. Okay. okay. Someone wants to know if you have any Italian in you because they claim that you're using your hands like an Italian from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that punk kid on Facebook Live and Bassmaster Live that likes to talk with his hands. But uh, no, I don't think I have any Italian in me. To be honest, I have no idea. I mean, I, to be honest. I would lie, I would be lying to you if I told you I actually looked it up and cared, but I was born in Florida, raised in North Carolina. That's I don't know where everybody else is from. So More I just like fishing and talking. <laughs> awesome. Well, you're doing a, you're doing a great job of it. We appreciate Thanks, you. Guys. Next time you're covering me on the top 12, I want you to bring some positive mojo or something, <laughs> some good luck hey, charms. I was keeping you in, and I was, come on, Pete, that's four, that's five, you know. I was, I, I was I, you you got to step up your game for me, apparently, because I need it. But uh, but I appreciate all the coverage. Appreciate you being here tonight, and uh, we look forward to watching you on Bassmaster Live. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. Good job, man. Thanks, See ya. Uh, that was that was cool. That was good. Smart he guy. he Smart is dude. he is very very entrenched in what he does, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's it's refreshing to see some people. I, I mean, he is totally committed. To what he is doing, he was obviously committed when he was in college to knowing what he was wanting to do. And mm-hmm. I mean, he he is he is in the trenches, and he he's doing a good job. Future, future yeah. president of Bass, right there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Now, from an economic standpoint, econ and you know finance may not have been a couple of the classes that he took in college, <laughs> because I think he might be a little jaded on. How the economics of it worked, but yeah, you know, it, people throw sponsorship around that, it, it that term. Is not like, uh, that easy. Yeah, you just got to go get sponsorship, and then he didn't say that. I no, mean, he, he recognized. Is it possible though but, for Bass to have like a farm sponsorship system? With I, low we level, talked about we that. Talked, with low yeah, level, that exact thing. Okay, you know, would that wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great for like a guy that qualifies for the elite to have a place to go where maybe he gets subsidized? For his entry fees yeah. through sponsorship That's somehow. subsidized, but here's our entry level 
sponsors for our rookies. Yeah. You get one year with these guys, you're going to have to put on your monkey suit and go dance out front of the door with, with your, with yeah. your symbol, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> Spin your you, you, are, you know, but this is it. This, yeah. is, this is going to be your foot in the door, but you need this to spend this year getting it, get the big boys in line. They did because I've, I've talked, I've talked with companies and they're not interested yep. in getting behind the there rookies. They're not interested in it because they, they just don't stand a chance to, to gain too much.